You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome. You found the Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz show on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and while I am an attorney, the Buzz Off show is not legal advice. Instead, it's a weekly look at all the technology surrounding and all the buzz surrounding autonomous vehicles, drones, the Internet of Thing, and all the things in between. And first of all, we've been talking the past couple of weeks about all the different ways from WannaCry to legacy uh, systems and all this data and information. So it's an important topic and one that keeping an eye towards what your devices and what your computer and all your applications and software are collecting. It's such an important topic that uh, we're going to skip this week's bust or must uh, segment. And so with a quick apologies to Rob Graham, our senior entertainment and political correspondent, because Quite frankly, we have too many other things to talk about this week than uh, getting into Rob's insights on the latest uh, Hollywood technology gossip. So apologies to Rob, because today we're going to jump right in to discussing, first of all, privacy and the shift in both the big manufacturers, software developers, on down to the apps that are running on your systems and really where where are we now and where do we go from here so we're going to talk about that and then with our second half of the show we're going to chat with another security consultant on how do we fix that as far as bridging the, the skills gap and how do we get that security and privacy built into our systems. But before we can talk about that, let's welcome Mark Burnett to the show. Mark is an independent security consultant and author. And Mark, if we went through all the books and articles and media things that have really that you have either authored or been quoted in, that would take up the rest of the show. So with apologies, we're just going to state for the record that you are a uh, very knowledgeable, and just go from there if if you're okay with that. Yeah, you can just say that I just do whatever. <laughs> I like it. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And Mark, what really caught my eye was some of the discussions online that you raised a critical point in there's been a shift in perception and approach from a lot of these companies and developers on our privacy and our data. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 we've seen it. Um, we've seen it with a number of, a number of companies. I mean, Google does it. Um, Apple does it. But the, the thing, the issue that I brought up recently was, was how much Microsoft is, is spying on our, on our systems and, and the data that they collect. I mean, spying is probably not a great word, but you know, there is, there's quite a bit of telemetry they collect and there is, there is personal information that's, that's gathered there and, and sensitive information that's gathered there as well. Well, and absolutely, because it's not just with, you know, when you talk about Google and Apple and Microsoft, 
it's a little more pervasive than simply, oh, the Pokemon Go app that's running on my phone. I mean, it's the, we're talking about the operating system uh, that's running everything on our desktop and laptop as well as our cell phones. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, and Apple and um, Google, they, you know, on our phones, that those are operating systems as well. But there's there's something about the desktop. There's just there's just a line there that that, you know, it's that's like our safe place where where, you know, intruding there is, is, is something that just people just don't take well. Uh, for example, when uh, Microsoft did advertising a couple months ago, um, I believe it was advertising OneDrive and people just didn't take that well at all. I mean, it's it's. You know, that's your, that's your sacred, sacred place where, where, you know, you just shouldn't go. I mean, a, a phone, yeah, it's, it's, that's that. I mean, that's a, a sensitive place as well, but it's, I don't, I don't, for some reason, it just feels different to me and to a lot of people and people are more willing to, to get that information. And of course, um, uh, companies like Google and Apple are, are very good about, uh, asking for permission first and, and being clear about what they take, uh, what information they take and giving the opportunity to, to delete a good portion of that information. Well, we saw with the, uh, you know, over in the EU, there's been a shift towards the, you know, right to be forgotten, but that's a little bit different than, as you pointed out, it's your, it's the systems running your systems. I mean, everything goes through them. Right. And for, I mean, and, and the, I think a lot of people aren't really bothered so much about the, the information that's you know that's on their systems but it's it's just more of a it's just more of a boundary that that you know a line that we'd like to have whereas now the boundary is has been completely blurred and our own computer isn't really belong to us so I, I mean, how I, did you how did you identify uh, in your article or and commentary you start pointing out with microsoft's operating system how did you initially identify this shift philosophical shift but from the technical side well um i mean i was just testing out some sites i've been interested in in what they're doing and and what information is being gathered there um and so i was just testing out some settings that i had had gathered and um wanted to try out and see how they would affect the the communication uh so i set those settings um and then was shocked to see how much how much traffic was still going uh, going through, I mean, was being tracked and sent to Microsoft and connections were being made, um, at connections to ad networks. Um, and, and, you know, that some people pointed out some problems with the way I, my, my approach and some of the, you know, mistakes in my testing. And I, I wasn't really, I hadn't really intended on testing that as it was. I mean, as with, with that goal in mind, my, my goal really was to show how good my settings works. You know, it's like great idea. Yeah. And so I, 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 was surprised by this and, and made some uh, some comments on Reddit that, that got uh, retweeted quite a bit, um, and so there there were some there were some problems with my original assessment. But I you know there still is a significant amount of information being gathered, and you have to do and this is the default setting, and you have to do quite a bit to undo how much information there's that's being gathered there. It's it's an opt out process, and and sometimes there's uh, a number of different settings and sometimes there's a number of different settings for the same thing. I mean, one of the funny uh, comments I got was, um, did you only set two of the smart screen settings? There's four, you know, there's four settings to disable one feature. 
And I, and I almost yeah, I mean that that seems that seems a little much. I mean, it even playing around with Twitter had updated some of their settings, and mm-hmm. it, as you know, it, it was about six different boxes you had to travel down to get to to uncheck just to have them no longer identify your location and other information it's folks are making it harder not easier yeah and so the funny thing is that you know i actually don't mind that i i always give them all the information they want um but i like having to be able i I like being able to make that choice (laughs) what information because you know what i would rather have relevant ads you know than some of the ads i have to look at (laughs) they're going (laughs) to advertise me i'd rather have relevant ads um well that that is a good point that's not the issue. I, I don't mind them having the information um, because I don't, you know, I'm my type of work is, is a little bit sensitive, but not quite as sensitive as other people's work. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's the choice. It's it's the, the fact that Microsoft doesn't have a choice. In fact, and I think that the fact that they, they don't give you a choice makes people more angry than they would be if they just, you know, if you just had a choice, but, you know, you, you had to opt out, had actually opt out to get uh to, uh, to choose have to not have that information gathered but um so it's i i think that's what makes people most angry is that they don't have a choice in the in the matter i don't think people really even care for the most part about what information that's gathered but there are people that where this is a very sensitive issue um you know and and where, where the information any information any connection to an outside computer is a is a serious uh concern um and so the i mean that that is a huge problem i mean there's there's um, there's government government workers. There's uh, people who work in security, but the more sensitive uh, issues that have very sensitive clients. There's um, uh, people who publish a lot of vulnerabilities are, are particularly susceptible to spying from from foreign governments. Um, there's there's people who are uh, just celebrities in general. Um, there are. Uh, you know, any anyone who works in this, at these sensitive areas. I mean, there's there's military, there's government, there's law enforcement, and there's I mean, there's a lot of people who this where this is a, a serious issue. Well, and you you raise those issues in the employment context because it's it's one thing if it's my personal device or my home laptop, and I'm going to the sites I'm going to or using the software, the programs that. I've selected, but it becomes a completely different conversation when, as as you noted, it's work and there is no, things are beyond the user's control that you're subject to a whole separate set of regulations and rules because of the nature of your job. Right. And And that's what, you know, a lot of the criticism um, that I got from from uh, publishing the stuff, or I shouldn't say publishing, I should say tweeting the stuff, um, was you know, th- I mean, I, I, there was quite a bit of criticism there. And I mean, a lot of people agreed with it. In fact, some people agreed with it too much. But um, you know, there was this criticism, and the thing is, this is even if I had no settings set, if I even if I did everything absolutely wrong, I mean, this is these are this is the enterprise edition that should that shouldn't have this by default. And, you know, for home users, this is a completely different thing, or uh, owners of small businesses or independent uh, professionals, um, you know, such as myself. I mean, it's, it's, um, 
you know, we don't, we can't afford the, the volume licensing to get, you know, 20 copies of Enterprise Edition, uh, to run our system. So we're, we're working with, uh, Windows Professional, Windows Home. And in those cases, you can't block all the settings. There, there's just a limit on how much you can, you can prevent. And, and the, the amount of data they, they collect is, is significant. I mean, it's, it's overwhelming how much information. I mean, they can, they can, uh, tell you what type of chassis, uh, your, your computer is, uh, you know, what, what kind of case it is, um, and things like that, which are, is that really relevant to how Windows runs? And, and is that necessary information for them to gather? They can tell you which USB drives had been plugged into your system. And if there's issues, um, where they want to investigate, a something further they can actually connect and gather information from your computer certain registry keys memory dumps and things like that there, there's a there's a process that uh, someone has to go through and there's and it's tightly controlled and microsoft is is really good about respecting that privacy but but the fact is it can still be done and well and, and one of the questions with that is does that then become a data breach where someone has yeah. unauthorized has accessed Information. I'm pretty sure we already authorized it uh, at some point in some some button we clicked. But um, but but the issue another issue is is you know how much law enforcement has access to that information. How much can can they do on your computer? Can they implant uh, software onto your computer and things like that? Um, and if they could, I mean, would we ever know about it? Would we know, ever know if Microsoft is cooperating and things like that with various governments around the world, not just the U.S. government? And well, if they have that information, can it be subpoenaed in a, law, uh, a lawsuit or a divorce proceeding or you know any number of, of, of legal, uh, legal situations there? Absolutely. Well, we'll have to pick that up right after the break. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Speaking with Mark Burnett on data and privacy implications now that there's been this philosophical shift in what our computers operating systems and what software uh, manufacturers and developers are doing and that we no longer opt in instead we have to opt out and uh, mark you were chatting before the break about all the implications from microsoft accessing you know by default 
information and what could law enforcement have access to this information? Could nefarious actors, could the other party in a divorce or other lawsuit? Wow. Uh, where do you, where do you see the state of, I mean, is there anything to stop this from happening now? Well, um, I mean, I, and that's what I wonder. I mean, does it take legislation to stop it? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a serious, serious concern for a lot of companies. I mean, a lot of the companies we deal with, uh, Facebook and Twitter and, you know, I mean, all kinds of uh, ad networks. And we have to, um, you know, we do have to have some kind of limits or at least some kind of knowledge of what they're, reco- of what they're gathering, uh, some kind of way to, to view what they're gathering and, and some way to delete what they've gathered and opt out and, and do this in a clear manner. One thing that's interesting is back in 2008, Microsoft, and I, I said that they used to be really good at, at privacy, at, cons- uh, you know, the various concerns of, of, customer privacy and they they wrote a a document that's their guidelines for software developers and um they had some great points in here and i wish they would follow them but uh some of the some of the things are that uh they you know should always explicitly ask for consent uh when you're going to gather information and i'm sure they microsoft has asked for consent and somewhere in our uh, as we are installing the software, it's, you know, we, we agree to all these conditions. Um, but, uh, it even states in there that if you're going to be gathering this, you know, personal information that you need to explicitly ask again for that consent. And, um, but the, the really interesting point that they brought up is even anonymous information becomes non-anonymous or de-anonymize, I guess, uh, the more information they gather. Because the more anonymous information you gather about a person, the more you can, uh, the more metadata, I guess, you have to identify that person. And so that, that is a serious issue is there. Well, it, it, it also becomes a matter of do we have, I mean, they may have received my individual consent when I clicked, you know, I accept the user term to I installed the software, but not all of the data and the information that I'm uh, utilizing on my work system is mine to consent to. Right. And not everyone who uses that computer has consented. And not everyone who, who consents is, is of the age to be able to consent. You know, they may be minors where they're not able to consent or, you know, to, to enter into that kind of a contract. Well, and that kind of brings up the next aspect of it is what happens when children are, as part of their school curriculum, are using computers and there are federal statutes as to what what can be gathered under COPPA and other uh, different regulations of what you can gather, what you can collect and what you can do with it. Yeah, exactly. In fact, one of the, this, this, this issue is brought up in that privacy document that I, I mentioned. And, and they say that once you know that someone is a minor, you should no longer collect any information uh, from that, from that software. And it's, or until, until parental, parental consent is received. Well, and so you know, it when the teacher has assigned it, the student starts working on it. At what point is it no longer? Well, my dog ate my homework. Of well, my parents wouldn't consent to the data collection, so 
So I mean, use computers. <laughs> exactly. I I have to admit that would have come in handy a couple of times for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, so now that everything is awful and uh, Rome is burning, what what can we do now to minimize some of this impact? I really have no idea. I mean, all we can really do is is find someone to stand up for. For the, for the people who are, you know, who really don't have a lobby or who really don't have, you know, um, much of a stand on their own. Um, I mean, it's, I don't know if, you know, <laughs> various privacy organizations or, uh, lawmakers need to get involved. But I mean, the fact is that we need, we do need some intervention here because this, the information gathering will just continue and it'll be more comprehensive and then be less anonymized. Well, and it's it's all fun and games until it, frequently the lawmakers or decision makers realize they're under the same umbrella as the rest of us. Right. Uh, what was it? Uh, the blockbuster video logs uh, helped lead to current okay. statutory framework of, well, I don't want anyone knowing what videos I've rented. It's none of their business. Yeah. I don't want anyone to know what I have Netflixed and chilled to. <laughs> well, and that's what's interesting too, is that, um, you know, this information's gathered and law enforcement can issue a subpoena and perform a search on, you know, I guess a retroactive search was, I don't know what you would call it, but perform a search on your computer in the past at different stages in the past and, and actions that you, you took in the past. And uh, yeah, we have that issue. I mean, we have that issue with a lot of, a lot of things, our cell phone records, but you know, this is, this is the, these are the documents where we might be accessing information that might be in memory dumps and, and all kinds of information that, that uh, could have been gathered there. Well, and the key being after the fact, you know, once something else has been proven that you, you're you suspected of doing something or, you know, they're investigating, but not just arbitrarily from the onset, uh, I think that becomes one of the keys. And then what, what should we do as individual users to the extent are there just by default, always look at your security and privacy settings. How easy is that stuff to access? It's really not easy for the average user. And I, I don't even, I mean, it, Microsoft has gotten better about uh, making the, the controls more accessible. Uh, the first version of Windows 10 by default collected everything. Now, when you set up, I, I don't know if it was the creators update or the one before the anniversary update, but now it, it, it asks you in one of the screens, it, it gives you a choice of like, like six or seven different settings that you can, you can opt out at that point. But, um, that's not all the settings, but they're, you know, it's, it's probably the most sensitive. Some of the things that they can, they can collect are, is everything you type, um, that, you know, they can gather keystrokes, they can gather, um, information about uh, whatever you speak to your computer. If you use Cortana, uh, Cortana they can uh, gather that that speech information, which Google and Apple do also, um, and uh, oh, yes. Amazon and, and many others. <laughs> well, I was just saying, that's something we've certainly covered on prior Bezoff shows is everything from your Samsung TV to if you're speaking to it, it is constantly, Alexa is always listening, even when... She's not. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there's, I mean, it's, there are settings and there are guides out there and there's software that helps, but it, you really can't get everything because there are some things that Microsoft simply won't let you change. And, um, you know, and I'm, that's why I'm constantly researching and trying to find ways to block that. But there's, it's just, it's, there's a lot of information, a lot of, uh, lines of code that, that deal with that. It's hard to, to track down exactly where everything's happening and, and how it's happening and how it's authorized. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a huge problem. And that's just one piece of, you know, one operating system. I'm not counting all the software that we install. Uh, Microsoft Office does quite a bit of, of telemetry. Um, um, the .NET software does as well. And a lot of the software applications you install do as well. So it's... So it's- it is. It's from the ground up. I mean, it's everything from, as you as you noted, anything you're installing, it, the baseline was already set to collect it, and now everything else is just one more uh, capture point. Yeah, I, I think for most people, the um, the best choice is just to ignore it and pretend like it's not there because they'll be a lot happier that way. Uh, yes, yes. It's uh, from an employer or you know, having to navigate, was there personal information? Was there sensitive security information or, you know, what all was accessed? Uh, that becomes a different thing. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that every typo or, you know, oh, that word didn't work. Let me delete it. And that all of those keystrokes, somebody has seen how many times I misspell some very simple words. Or the dumb things I have to look up on Google. Because oh my I didn't gosh. Know what <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it, yes. That's got to be the worst part of the whole, the whole spine thing. You know, and to some degree, I have to admit, I will use different devices and different uh, software to look up different things just to make it a l- that millisecond harder yeah. to link everything to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I use it incognito mode when I need to look up a meme I should should know about, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, absolutely. Or, and I always advocate too for picking random uh, concepts or ideas to Google just to throw off uh, the algorithm that little bit. Yeah, there is software that will actually uh, Google stuff um, continuously in the background for you and um, just to flood it with, with misinformation and it'll click on ads for you and do all kinds of stuff, um, which, is, which is really almost the only way you can you can truly uh, protect yourself at this point is to give it a lot of fake data. But, well, um, that's, that's in the same advice frequently given if you've had bad press. Uh, you know, raise the noise level, put so many other things out there that eventually the bad parts drop to the bottom. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Lots uh, of, lots of noise. You know, it, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Uh, trying to explain in the drone context or, you know, IOT context when the noise floor gets too high, stuff can't connect. But in this case, we're, we're okay with that. Yeah. Well, and just, yeah, I mean, at this point, all we can really do is just, is just keep bringing it up and, and, and hope that we get the right people and connect with the right people and get them to, to, to listen and, and to, you know, to really take responsibility for what software applications are doing. Um, it's, it's, I, I really, it's disappointing seeing so many software companies going in that direction. 
Well, and a lot of it, as you noted, is the education piece. It's mm-hmm. having the dialogue, having the discussion, and raising the noise level so that it can't be overlooked, or at least if the you know, legislators uh, or other regulators are making a conscious decision not to do anything about it, and it's not, well, I just didn't know. You know. Yeah, yeah, and in the EU there are there are laws that, that um, restrict that, but U.S. has a ways to go. Well, Mark, thank you for joining the show today and sharing some of your insights. And thank you. I enjoyed it. Uh, is there a good way if folks want to follow you on Twitter? How can they find you? Um, probably the best way is to go to my website. It's zato.net, xato.net. Ah, fantastic. Well, check out Mark's insights. And up next, we'll talk a little bit about how can you educate both yourself and the workforce. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back. You've been listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Catch us each Wednesday on AmericasWebRadio.com from 2 to 3 in the afternoon. Or find a podcast version of this show via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast streaming services, Lawyer Liz. So, We've been spending part of the show talking with Mark Burdett on really all the data and all the information uh, that's being collected either knowingly or in some cases uh, unbeknownst to the users. And it fits into this central theme from prior shows as well with Wanna Cry and all these different uh, hacks or breaches and all your IoT connected devices that they are capturing information that patching and software updates and all this are critical, but it really comes down to 
education, knowing what is, what your devices, what your software, what your systems are doing. And once you know what they're doing and how they're doing it, then you know, you can figure out a course of action. So we've invited onto the show today to talk about this is uh, Chris Silvers, who is a the founder and principal consultant with CG Silvers Consulting and the education, the training are some of the recent, uh, I'd say, projects of interest for Chris. So, Chris, thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me, Liz. I appreciate it. No, my pleasure, because it, it really, even in the day job that shall not be mentioned, understanding what what technology is doing and the role it's playing and kind of having that base level understanding is necessary from everyone down to an intern receptionist all the way up to the CEO and the heads of departments. I mean, how do you bring that conversation and knowledge as both a consultant as well as a frequent speaker on this topic? Well, um, I, I like to say that uh, that I mean education is is pretty much key when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, there was a, I believe it was one of the first security conferences I ever attended, which was you know almost twenty years ago, um, and I believe it was Marcus Raynham, if you if that name rings a bell. Um, Marcus mentioned one time that uh, that the most powerful tool or the most powerful, uh, you know, characteristic you can have about your security department is knowledge, is a knowledgeable security person, uh, because all the tools in the world don't really mean much if there's no one there who understands how to use them and how to leverage them to protect your environment. Um, and it's just something that really struck home to me because I, what I saw through the, the coming years um Working as a as a defender uh, in in corporate security, it, it really bore out that that no matter how much you spend on technology, if you didn't have the people that knew yeah. how to use it, then then it was really pretty useless. I mean, the people were just running around chasing their tails. Well, as I say, there are, I, I will admit, there are, uh, I'm sure, amazing features and functions of my car that I've had for, right. you know, undisclosed, that I have no idea. I just do it manually because I, I don't know any different. Right. Uh, and, you know, you only know, can identify how dangerous or how skilled you are once you've identified, oh, okay, I need to be able to do this. Oh, look, I can actually do it. Right. And... Education is starts and stops. It doesn't. It's not just in the classroom. I mean, how how do people gain that knowledge? Yeah. Well, it's one one of the things that I guess um, frustrates me, and but also draws me into security. This this uh, kind of journey I've been on is that the every time I I learn something new, I tend to realize how much more I don't know. Uh, it's just amazing. Every every answer I come up with s- tends to spawn, you know, a thousand more questions, and uh, and I think that that's one of the keys to technology in general is that you have to be you have to become a, la- a lifelong learner. Um, you know, you whereas 
maybe years ago people would get up in, in the morning and you know Sunday morning and read the paper just to kind of see what the daily news is well basically that's the start of my day is 30 to 45 minutes spent on Twitter and and you know RSS feeds and and things like that just catching the the security news of the day and then and then digging into some of the headlines so that so that if someone talks about it, I can, you know, speak a little intelligently about it and, and then learn, you know, kind of what are the, what are the techniques out there and, and what's happening in the security world. So it's definitely a challenge. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, what you knew in our, I mean, we've had that even come up with the buzz off show is the topic you know, that maybe had discussed one, you know, one minute an hour later was already a moot point because something else had already come up that either expanded upon or you know changed a completely the direction and it was through the speed of the internet that everyone you know that knowledge was gained and so what are some resources or recommendations you have our where if I want to find out about, you know, for example, security policies or exactly what information kind of those those risks that I'm running, the things that I don't know that I don't know, what are some go-to resources or guidance that you give to folks? Well, um, I think that operates at different levels. So, um, so you kind of have the consumer level of – you know, kind of headlines as far as, as the typical, I guess, non-security audience. Um, you know, I would point people to, uh, to resources like Brian Krebs, right? Krebs on security. Um, he, he writes a great, um, a great blog that, that kind of breaks things down for, um, for normal people or, you know, muggles as sometimes I refer to. Exactly. For, for us, uh, non-security muggles. Yes. Right. Right. Um, or, or otherwise known as, you know, healthy adult functioning in a, you know, society. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Brian Krebs is a great, a great resource. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, for, for people who want to kind of dig in and become a little more academic, there's, uh, there's a lot of resources with the, um, I guess it's the National Institute for Science and Technology, NIST. They put out a lot of, uh, publications that, that kind of really cover, uh, security soup to nuts, but they dig into a lot of risk management concepts and, and the like. Um, SANS is a great institute as well. The SANS Institute, and in fact, almost 20 years ago when I got into security, um, my older brother deals with technology, and he gave me two pieces of advice that I've taken uh, to heart. He said the first thing was to join the SANS Institute and get on their mailing list, and the second thing was to learn Linux. <laughs> and, and you know, keep keep in mind this was twenty years ago, so oh, yeah. um, so pretty pretty good advice, and and I took it. So um, SANS has some great resources out there. Uh, pretty much everyone who gets a, a SANS certification uh, has to write some type of paper that uh, a white paper uh, that kind of proves that they know what they what they propose to know, and and all those white papers are made available for free. So. 
So that's some great stuff there. Uh, they've kind of partnered with the Center for Internet Security, the CIS, to come up with the, the SANS Top 20 Critical Security Controls. Um, and that's a great... Uh, a great framework, kind of a risk management framework that applies to all businesses, almost of all sizes. So a lot of great resources out there. It's just, it's just a sense of weeding through all that. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's as with anything, you've kind of got to filter out the noise to get down right. to the meat. And you recently were giving a advice and counsel and talking to high school students on the education and the security skills what what's a good or your favorite takeaways from those talks that apply across the board well you know it's it's interesting um my my favorite takeaway was from I, I gave I gave three different talks. I, I gave a talk to a model UN student group, um, a group of uh, Christo Ray students who were who were kind of doing a, a capture the flag event, and then actually a TEDx talk. But the talk in the middle, my favorite takeaway was actually a question that one of the kids asked me. Um, you know, after my talk, I was kind of preaching this whole idea of a, a hacker mindset, you know, the, the idea of curiosity and, and trying to kind of test things and try to figure out for yourself how things work. And one of the students actually raised her hand and she said, well, how do we know if we have the aptitude or the ability to have a hacker mindset? And it sort of took me aback at, at first. I, I didn't really expect that. I was like, well, well, what do you mean? Uh, you know, and, and so I thought about it and I really, I told her, I said, well, I really think that every child is born with a hacker mindset. You know, every, you know, if you, re, if you recall when you were really young, you had to test limits to figure out what the rules were. And, you know, some of us just, we, we grew up, we, you know, we became adults and we started accepting the rules. And then some of us, not so much. And the ones not so much kind of became the hackers because we, we tend to test things all the time. Absolutely. Well, it's a, you know, with uh, my toddler niece, it's the question, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why is yeah, this? And, it, and it's not. It's not uh, out of uh, intentionally trying to aggravate. Instead, it's realizing that the mind is going. Well, well, why is this? I don't. I don't have a fr- you know a framework in which to view it. And so, why? Why? Tell me more. And uh, for me, that was always the when I think of and the security researchers that I. Uh, work with and know it's that questioning of well why does this work the way it does why can't i you know why why do i have to play in the box what about outside the box or outside the circle or outside the triangle you know yeah that that's exactly it they just they won't give up right they just they won't let it go they just won't accept the things as they are but i think that also raises the perspective or brings to you know, light the perspective of not all hackers or attackers it, it's not the hoodie wearing you know nefarious actors sometimes it's just the curiosity that sparked the research and yes it has a negative impact but 
it didn't start off because they wanted to steal your information per right. se. So, yeah. well, that's definitely a difference. Yeah. And it, and it does. And that brings us into what we'll start talking about right after this commercial break of, so, okay, where can I find these resources? And then what can I do to minimize, you know, manage the risks that are out there from all these connected devices? But you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, You can rest assured, knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. You've been listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, chatting now with Chris Silvers of CG Silvers Consulting. And now that we have been previously talking on prior shows and even the first half of this show on all the things that are connected devices or doing and uh, all the horrible ways that everything is awful and your privacy is not there. You can empower yourself uh, as any good security researcher will tell you by one, knowing where the problems are. So uh, Chris was sharing with us before the break, some of the different uh, educational resources, be it white papers, just the news sources. And so, Chris, now that we we know how to find or you've give, shared some insights on how to find this information and uh, just some basic uh, starting points, how does this translate into what we can do for risk management? I mean, obviously you can't uh, disconnect from everything, be it because your job requires you to, or, you know, even, even some of the most hardcore researchers that I know still use Twitter and Facebook and all of that. Right. So how do we balance the Rome is burning with what we need to do in everyday life? Yeah, that's, um, it, it's really, uh, been an interesting journey. I, I actually started my business about three years ago, and um, and the reality of uh, of what you have to do to attract clients and to engage with clients um, really w- was an education um, in in balancing doing this balancing act between oversharing and and 
then again, being a security professional, not wanting to share information. You know, um, I mean, first of all, security professionals have gone through a transformation in the last 20 years. When when I first got into it, there were still plenty of security professionals who, you know, their favorite answer to any question was no. <laughs> um, you know, no, we can't do that because it's there's too much risk involved, you know, or there's just any risk involved. And what they were practicing was risk avoidance. Well, the uh, a business can't afford to do that. A business has to um, has to mitigate risk or at least transfer risk to stay in business because you know, I mean, business is just a risky endeavor to begin with. So, um, so not only, and this was one of the big points of, of the last talk that I gave was, um, security people have to understand that not only does the, the business, is, is the business not going to put up with, you know, this, this just say no attitude, but also the, this new society that we have of millennials, who are who are being raised on the internet and in a connected society and they expect to be able to connect and engage online with their peers with their employers and everything so so even just to attract employees businesses have to be able to reach out and share and connect um to get the best and brightest so yeah, so, I mean, you can't live in that that bubble, despite what every parent would like to do yeah. to their child. Yeah. Well, and you know that brings up another another point that um, that that I have a little bit of a fear that that maybe we have we have kind of done this to ourselves in raising our children because now that we have the technical ability to surveil our children pretty much twenty four seven. Right, because of all the cameras everywhere, and and the the Find My iPhone app, and you know the fact that everybody that goes to a party with them is carrying around a, a, a fully connected you know uh, camera that they can video and post instantly online. Um, you know, kids kids have been conditioned now to accept surveillance, and you know if you talk to someone like Cory Doctorow, um, one of my favorite authors, um, he'll tell you that. You know that's a that's that's a problem that um, that doesn't really get discussed much because as parents, yeah, we want to watch our kids, but at the same time, if we watch them and we condition them to accept surveillance, then what's the difference between us and a government or a corporation? You know, surveilling them as well. Well, and. So, it, and around Christmas time every year, it uh, amazes me how many parents, you know, jump in with the elf on the shelf. Right. That, you know, you're you're essentially telling your children Santa's always watching, <laughs> and uh, he sent the spy, and it's okay. Right. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I don't know how that would have gone over in. Our household growing up with my siblings, right. the elf would have met a very untimely yeah. demise. Yeah, a little sketchy there. But, <laughs> exactly, uh, but never I, to be seen again. Right, but I, but I think the the key is to to take basic risk management techniques and apply them to online sharing. Right, like I mean, the first step of any risk management uh, framework is to take inventory to understand what information is out there. 
right? So just the simple fact, I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit old school, but, uh, but Googling yourself and, you know, setting Google alerts on your name and, and enough information so that, so that if some additional information pops up on the internet about you, then at least you're aware that it's there, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, it- it, it helps define the universe. It's what people see. And right. we right. spoke on the prior segment about even raising the noise floor so that if you find something you weren't expecting, how do you, you know, crowd it out so that that's not the only thing people see? Right. Right. Well, and the thing is that once you start doing that, you start realizing how much information really is out there about you um, so that you you can't get rid of it all. Um, in, in fact, you really can't get rid of a whole lot of it. But um, but what do you focus on? So then you have to learn how to prioritize that information. You know, what what is truly important to you, you know, and 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 what could be used to to cause you damage right um so that you can then focus on those pieces of information and either trying to eliminate them or uh, a kind of a, a kind of applying a, a new security technique um of uh, of obfuscation right or or illusion right like setting up kind of like the the whole um uh, i think it's uh I think it's a company called, uh, I think it's actually called Illusion, but they have a technology where, um, where they basically set up false information on your network so that when an attacker gets on, on your network, um, they don't know what's real and what's fake. So, well, absolutely. I mean, political campaigns uh, have been doing that for years right. in, in what's known as salting your databases, that you put certain key information that you know is false, right. but it if someone gets it, you can tell where, if they cite back to you, for example, if they call right. a particular donor, it's like, oh, you got a hold of this list, uh, you know, through the breach or right. whatever. So, so I like that. So it, there are companies out there that will help you do that. Well, and what are some of the ways you can identify? I mean, because I can't always, you know, because of reporting requirements or other uh, software and apps that I have to use during, you know, for the job. I may have my cell phone with me at all times, or I may have this other, are there other things I can do to minimize the business risk of what information is even being captured? Yeah, that, that's really difficult, you know, cause there's, there's so many different ways that information is captured. And, um, I mean, we, we, we run a contest called the, the open source intelligence capture the flag contest. And, um, I, I, I'm always amazed at how much information people are able to gather in such a short period of time. And one of the rules that that are in the contest is that you can't use a paid service because if you could if you could like set up a, a, a private investigation firm and, and it's mm-hmm. not super difficult to do um, if you can do that and and sign up for some of these information services. It, uh, you'd be amazed at how much information you can gather on someone in very short order. I mean, it, it's just incredible. Absolutely. And you mentioned the open source. I mean, that uh, 
really is whatever, for example, if I have a Facebook page that I haven't, you know, set my settings to private, right. you know, or that anyone can, it, that's the kind of information that's open source. What are some of the other places uh, people should be wary of the open source information that can be gathered? Well, um, settings they should change. Yeah, well, that one of the challenges, and 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 I'll pick on Facebook um, because it's just so ubiquitous. But um, one problem with Facebook is that the settings change. So um, even even if you take a, a you you lock down your profile and you go through all the different settings and change and you know lock them down, six months later, um, the settings may change because. Facebook is always making updates, right? Um, there's actually, now that you mention it, um, there's a, I believe it's called Family Search. There's a, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my wife, but she can't hear me. Family Search? <laughs> yeah, okay, she nodded. So there's a, there's a site out there called Family Search where, um, and it's one of those genealogy sites. So, um, so you go out there and you look for your relatives and, and, and all that. But not only can you post up information about yourself, but other people can post information about you as well. So you think about it, you have a, you know, you have an aunt who is doing this genealogy and she's oh just dear. oversharing. Well, <laughs> she just, she just sold you out, right? And exactly. So, yeah. So what do you do? I mean, you know, and, and, and if you try to remove that information, how do you prove that you are you and you're trying to remove it? So, or if, if someone puts up <laughs> false information. Right. It, <laughs> Even it that. Is. Yeah. 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 So, uh, where are some of the places? I mean, cause you, you raise all these interesting <laughs> points of, you know, if, if you get, if you update, you know, as you update your software, look at what the update does and go back and check your settings. But where can, uh, People find out more information so, about your talks and your company and the work you're doing in this area. Sure. Well, um, so uh, my website is uh, cgsilvers.com. Uh, re- real original, <laughs> CG Silvers, hey, right? Easy to find. I mean, yeah, maximizing but, that information. Yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope. And and so uh, so the website. Uh, basically, we do four things. We do uh, social engineering is kind of my specialty, um, which involves open source intelligence, but but all the other forms of social engineering, um, s- security education from and and I like to say that you know I teach from I teach everybody from your grandmother to the senior um, security operations center analyst. Um, from, you know, network monitoring and everything. Uh, and then, of course, I do penetration testings of, of all kind of forms, web applications and all that. And then something that I've been getting much more into is risk and compliance. And, and that goes from all the way to business risk exposure all the way down to HIPAA and PCI compliance and things like that. So all very fascinating, and I encourage everyone to check that out. We've been – thank you to Chris Silvers with – CG Silvers Consulting. Thank you to Mark Burnett and thank you to America's Web Radio. Catch up on all the podcasts on iTunes. And until then, we will see you next week.